Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Today's episode is as good as it gets when it comes to being a trade deadline primer. We have, what, five weeks remaining until we reach the deadline? Five? Six? More five. Is that it? It's five-week Friday. Five-week Friday! I like that. Uh, but uh, in terms of, you know, you know who's on the big board for CJ, that's been out for a while. We're going to get to that. Who could be buying? Who could be selling ahead of the trade deadline? CJ has got you covered. This episode is pretty much dedicated uh, towards uh, trying to figure out how the trade deadline landscape will look uh, ahead of March 3rd. CJ, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I mean, this is a great time of year. It's, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of moving pieces. Uh, We've really we actually did finally have a trade on Wednesday night. So there's at least there's there's evidence of life out there uh, in the trading world. Uh, I do know it's been a little quieter maybe for, for some teams at this point, but you know, obviously the closer we get to March 3rd and the deadline itself, I, I would think like every season, there'll be lots of activity. Um, won't all be blockbuster trades, but certainly this is, this is a high volume period for transactions and we're doing the best we can to, to keep on top of it all. Do you think there's going to be like a, like right now we're seeing just like a log jam and everyone's just kind of waiting for the deadline day to max out their cap space. And then everyone's just going to start throwing out more of these trades or are we going to see more of those smaller trades kind of thrown intermittently before uh, the deadline, or, or I guess both could happen. Well, I think there's two main factors. You know, the, the one is cap space. That's going to dominate the discussion. You're going to hear that again and again, tied a lot to teams. So in, in some cases, certain teams literally just have to get, as close to say March 1st, 2nd or 3rd as they can to put themselves in position to, to bring on salary. Um, you know, the other element is prices, right? This is a, the market is a fluid thing. Um, the way I look at it is most teams that are selling a premium asset want a first round pick back, you know, as part of that package. There, there's some exceptions and I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about individual players on the market, but in general, that's, that's a pretty, you know, sought after commodity, but in any given deadline, there's only so many teams that will trade a first round pick. And so sometimes I think that it drags on because some of those teams that aren't going to give up a first rounder just want to wait it out, wait it out and, and maybe, you know, see the price go down to a second rounder for certain players. So, you know, there's, there's, those are two things that I think partially drive what happens. And then I guess the third is one we can't account for. And that's, you know, injuries or, you know, an abrupt change to a situation. You know, I look at the the Vegas Golden Knights right now, for example, they have their, their captain, Mark Stone, is is out. It's, you know, that's being described as a week-to-week injury. Remember, he missed half of last season uh, with back issues. Uh, not saying he's going to miss the rest of this season, but if they get more information close to the deadline and, and, you know, they get some indication he is out for the, the remainder of the regular season, well, that all of a sudden gives them all, you know, possibilities that, that, they wouldn't otherwise be able to to look at. So, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that go into, you know, the trades themselves. I mean, it's it's so easy for us to sit here Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, this team needs a second line left winger. Oh, this this is a good second line left winger um, that 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 team should go get. Um, you know, there's 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 more to it than that. Um, but I think that at least sort of frames, you know, what's going on in these five weeks. And I, and I do know we, too. I should mention Julian. A number of teams have either had their pro scouting meetings or in them right now. 
And and that's sort of the the main game planning session where all the scouts get together and they kind of formulate their lists and plan of attack. And so, you know, usually you don't see a lot of trades before that you've, they've had those types of meetings and a lot of those are ongoing. I, I know also a few GMs uh, were in Langley, BC, uh, for the top prospects game of uh, the CHL top prospects game uh, yesterday. And I'm also curious with regards to first round picks, right? Like obviously teams who probably feel they're going to be able to compete are willing to throw those out, but considering how deep this draft is supposed to be, do you think we're going to see like maybe a little bit more hesitance to kind of offload those picks or how do you see that playing out? Yeah, there could be a slight chill or, or you know, more insistence on lottery protection, for example, um, you know, just to avoid any scenario where something changes and all of a sudden you win the lottery and you're giving away a much better pick. Um, you know, with hindsight, clearly Florida should have done that last year in the trade they made with Montreal for Ben Chirot because now Florida's on the outside of the playoff picture and, and they have a no strings attacked first round pick uh, in possession of the Habs. Um, but, you know, I, I still think you'll see a, a couple change hands. You know, we, we should ask DB at some point. We need an over under for first round picks traded. I, I don't know what that is. Maybe maybe set the over under two and a half or three and a half is probably right. You know, you have teams like the New York Rangers own two first round picks. And obviously this is a season where they're trying to win the Stanley Cup. So I think that that's a pretty, you know, good position for them to be in. You know, if if you're, you know, a team like Toronto, for example, and, and you're reasonably sure the first round pick you're giving up is somewhere probably in the late 20s, but certainly in the 20s. Um, if the right player comes along, maybe you look at doing that, you know, so there, there's there's situations where it still makes sense for teams to trade a first round or even in a deep draft. And, uh, you know, let's face it, there's a couple different prizes, right? There's the, the prospects available at the end of June at the draft, but there's a big prize in the middle of June, and that's the Stanley Cup. And that drives the decisions, I think, to, to part with those picks. Absolutely. Also, talking about the draft has me excited for Nashville later this year. Uh, never been, can't wait to go. And just mix, ah, in, a water. mix in a water, bud. <laughs> you mix in a water. No, I'm just giving you I'm giving you veteran advice to my younger colleague. Cause That's I know I, I, I genuinely appreciate the advice. I actually saw it last year, and this is not telling tales, but we were in Montreal and all the young reporters, like it's actually like brought a tear to my eye because every night I was going to bed early and then I'd wake up and I'd see Instagram was just full of all the young reporters in Montreal just out till all hours. And and you know, it's it's just it's a high work event. So if you're if you have the stamina, it can be a high play event too, but I can only do one or the other, and that week I got to work. Yeah, I I had a wicked stomach flu at the first half of that week, so I was uh, it was it was a bit Michael you Jordan. You were in for some me. of the IGs, bud. Let's not. Oh, I know, I know. That's what I'm you saying. You weren't out at bars at two a.m. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. Closed. And it was it was a stomach flu and not like COVID or anything like that. Obviously, so I I was it was Michael Jordan esque for me that week. Mix in a water. That's all intent. Okay, before we bring on David Bastel for Sports Interaction, uh, we have to announce our winner uh, of the first of four $100 gift cards from Beer Town. Uh, we asked uh, those who wanted to participate in our contest for these gift cards uh, to tweet at myself, to tweet at CJ, and to tweet at the SDPN Sports account, uh, what is CJ's dad's nickname? The did you see who that my dad answered? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. You yes, better not I did. be the winner. That's not fair. That would be rigged. He's he's not the winner. Uh, <laughs> thank God he's not the winner. Uh, the winner is uh, David Sigmund. 
uh, David Sigmund is the winner, uh, the first winner of uh, one of four $100 Beer Town gift cards. Uh, we will uh, ensure that uh, we get your info and uh, we get that gift card to you, man. So congratulations to David Sigmund. He had we Covert have... Papa. He's Covert Papa is the answer. He's obviously listened to the pod because we talk about Covert Papa a fair bit. Yes, Covert Papa is the nickname uh, for CJ's father. Uh, now it's time. Uh, you know what's cool about announce... that nickname? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my dad's grandkids gave him that nickname. Oh, so like when my brother first had his kids, uh, when they were young, they they called him Cobra Papa. So it actually that originates from my dad's grandkids. So there you go. Oh, that's actually Aww. heartwarming moment. It's not just uh, it's not just something I've made up or you've made up on the pod. That's that's uh, that's an OG nickname wholesome vibes for Cobert Papa. And again, congratulations to David Sigmund. Uh, are you ready for the second trivia question? Uh, for the I second, am because I formulated it. Yes, you did. Um, you have to tweet at myself, at JKA McKenzie. You have to tweet at CJ, reporter Chris, and you have to tweet at SDPN Sports, that Twitter account as well. Tweet, what is my favorite chocolate bar? That's all you have to do. We've mentioned it before, famously. Uh, all you have to do, I would have phrased those... it as what is the crappy chocolate that Julian likes to eat? But I mean, okay, either right. way, you, you get to the same answer. However you frame that question. Okay. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I feel as if, if you're going to do that, you're going to get a wide variety of answers <laughs> as opposed to the actual answer to the question, which, uh, you need to be paying attention to, uh, right. in order to, uh, you know, get that answer. If you write crappy, you're going to start mentioning stuff that CJ likes. So I don't know if you want right. to go into that territory. Well, you yeah. got to go back to early to our season two to find those conversations, but they stretched over multiple episodes. So yeah, seriously, like the, the chocolate bar arc of the CJ show, uh, is going to go down in history as a, an iconic moment in the show. I'm glad we've moved beyond that period because I was eating chocolate at like 9 a.m. with too much frequency back early in this season. So it's okay. You were still running it off as part of your run streak. That's true, but it's still it's not a good habit to get into. Okay. Well, I'm glad you care so much about your health, CJ. You, you mix in a water and, and fewer chocolate bars or whatever chocolate bars you want to eat at 9 a.m. for you. Okay. I care Perfect. about your well-being. Perfect. All right. Time to bring on David Bastel. Let's do this. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, on the rundown uh, for uh, today's edition of You Can Bet That, I noticed uh, there's a really interesting thing you can uh, partake in at Sports Interaction called a grand salami. I'm a turkey club guy myself, but I'm oh. very intrigued about this sandwich you have I'm, for us. I'm on board with you with uh, with that as well, Julian. But uh, I usually don't say no to sandwiches, period. Okay, so here's <laughs> how it works. Sports interaction. Um, usually when there's at least three or four games or more, we'll throw out the grand salami prop. Tonight in the NHL schedule, there are nine games. So the salami is awesome. So what it is is this. Total goals... <laughs> of every single game wow so home and okay. away just add them all up so the number is 57 and a half so are you going over or under 57 and a half total goals for the nine games and a lot of it cj is simply you kind of look at the matchups you, you know you see that big matchup with boston and tampa bay and you see chicago playing so you think are they allowing a lot of goals they're probably not scoring as many goals and you kind of tinker around with the numbers give your selections on every single game add it up 
And is that number over or under 57 and a half goals? And that's kind of the best way of betting it. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun in the office. We get a lot of office pools playing this kind of game, especially on Saturday nights, for example. Uh, but there's a pretty big schedule tonight. So I, I thought I'd at least throw it out there to let you guys know about this unique prop. That's a tasty salami. I'm thinking if you <laughs> if you had a, if you had one on Tuesday, for example, and you took the over and it was there's a seven six game in there, you're probably pretty excited uh, when you when you see 13 goals from one game. Absolutely. It's also a championship weekend in the NFL. The Niners and the Eagles in the NFC championship game. Chiefs and Bengals in the AFC game. And uh, a lot of people paying attention to Patrick Mahomes and his injury status when it comes to that game. How are the lines looking, DB? Yeah, that's that's the number one line in all of sport right now is is Patrick playing or is he not? Uh, this line opened up as Kansas City three point favorites. And then we saw that, you know what, he wasn't going to be playing earlier in the week. So all of a sudden it reversed to Cincinnati. And then in the last 24 hours, Patrick Mahomes is showing up on the football field. So it's crossed over the other way. So currently right now at Sports Interaction, Kansas City one point favorites at home to the Cincinnati Bengals and in the other matchup, which is equally intriguing, but just no injuries to talk about the Eagles, two and a half point favorites at home to the 49ers. Do we have any feels here, CJ, uh, going into conference final weekend? I'm pulling my hair out. I'm in a spread pool with the other hockey writers from around North America. And I want to, I want to take their money. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. I mean, it's great. We have two great games, right? When the spreads are that narrow, it tells us that, you know, it's pretty close. And I also hate the Eagles being a Cowboys fan. So I'm I'm all over the board. I don't know if I believe in Purdy enough to say he goes on the road and wins. I mean, I'm I'm twisted in a pretzel just trying to figure this one out. Yeah, it's a tough don't one. Don't forget don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Enjoy championship weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks, fellas. For this part of the show, it's time to talk about who's buying, who's selling. And who's just chilling on the fence, just waiting to figure out what they're going to do ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, you put together a lot of work uh, for these uh, buyers and sellers lists, uh, which you can read on the NorthstarBets.ca website, Siege. Uh, a lot of work got put into this. Oh, man. I think it's somewhere around 5,000 words it topped out at. It actually Jeez. started It started as one piece. I mean, like because basically it was separating the teams into categories and then analyzing each situation. Uh, and it became quite unwieldy, so we decided to release them in three parts. Buyers went Wednesday, sellers came out uh, Thursday morning here, and then the on-the-fence teams dropped Friday. So that's probably the best way to present all that info, but it was a good exercise because, you know, look, it's it's a mix of, you know, and I should mention, too, that I, I worked a lot with Hart Levine, who runs the Puckpedia website, and he mm -hmm. did, like, very intricate breakdowns of each team's cap situation, So so thanks to Hart for that. So it's a bit of a tandem effort that way too. Uh, but, you know, it's a mix of the intel, what's going around, what people are saying, and and then, you know, just trying to to roughly sketch out who is in which category. I mean, let's face it, it's not, it's not perfect. There's some teams in the on-the-fence category that, you know, I'm sure certain people will be like, wait a minute, there's buyers. I'm looking at you, Buffalo. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> You got to do more of those more often. That's hilarious. Well, just because I dropped the buyers on, on Wednesday and then my, my mentions are full of Sabres fans. Like what? You don't have us as a buyer. So, I mean, I'll explain why when we get into the conversation, but yeah, that's, that's roughly how this came to be. And um, you know, it's, it's also fluid, right? It's, a lot can change in five weeks. One team wins 
seven, eight, or eight in a row, maybe it changes plans. And then obviously you go the other way, like the Islanders have been going here and scuffling and not scoring any goals. Maybe that uh, alters Lou Lamorello's approach as, as we get closer to March 3rd. Let's go through uh, each of these categories by the scoopful. Because if we do every single team, we're going to be here for like two hours, which I don't know how Adam Wild feels about the idea of this show being two hours. I think he's just given up. Like we it, early on, he was really trying to keep us tight and he just relented eventually. <sighs> if you, well, sucks to be Adam. Anyway, uh, let's get to these buyers. Uh, again, we'll just go through some of them for each of the categories. We won't go through every single team. If you want to read up on every single team, uh, you can go. Uh, I'm sure we'll find a way to get links to each of these stories in the uh, description, or at least go on CJ's Twitter, and you'll be able to find links for each of these stories. Uh, but let's start. Well, uh, and we're going to hit everybody yeah. eventually over the next few. Eventually, weeks. so that's, that's exactly. Let's start in the buyers category with a team that nobody cares about: the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> no, no interest whatsoever to what's going to nope. happen. No one cares. You know, next 35, 36 days in Toronto um, where the Leafs are humming along. Let's face it. They've had a great season. Uh, it feels a little back to the future ish with, you know, we already pretty much know they're facing Tampa. We know they have a good team. We know Tampa's got a good team. It's sort of like, you know, line up your men and go. Um, so what's Toronto going to do? I, I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them make a couple moves. You know, I, I don't know that they're locked in on just one thing. Um you know, they've actually found a decent groove with their forward group. And so there was a lot of talk early on, maybe they need a top six winger. I still think that could happen, but um, maybe doesn't need 100% to happen. I could see them you know, certainly kicking tires on a defenseman. Uh, you know, what, what's interesting, I guess, about the Leafs cap position, um, Julian, is that, you know, barring, you know, an injury, a new LTI injury that doesn't exist today. So we don't know what's going to happen in the future. They'll probably have somewhere one and a half to two million in cap room come deadline day to bring someone in. And so if they do make multiple transactions, you might see, you know, salary traded off the roster. That's not something Kyle Dubas has done too often in the past. Uh, you know, a couple trade deadlines, maybe some smaller players, you know, but in general, that's not been an approach he's taken. He's he's been more of a pure add to 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 his group. Um, but there might have to be some sub subtraction here. Um, the other thing that that I think is worth watching is what the Leafs do with their first round pick. And, and, you know, they've been hesitant as a, as an operating philosophy to trade a first rounder straight up for a rental player. And that's not to say it can't happen. I mean, they might look at this year as we got to go do that. Um, when, when they see the prices, when, when, you know, as it gets closer, maybe that's, you know, where they have to get to, but, you know, based on my understanding of how they've looked at it in the past, I just think there's, it's too risky to do that. I mean, really, the maximum you're getting a player for is what 48 games. That's maximum. That's say 20 regular season games and 28 playoff games. If, if you play four, seven game series. So, you know, it is a, it's a steep price to pay. Um, but you know, maybe they, they get in on a player that isn't rental and that's a little different situation. So, you know, that's some of where I think the Leafs are at. Um, you know, I think they feel pretty good about their goaltending. That, that might be something we, we wouldn't have guessed. Um, entering the season, but you know, Ilya Samsonov has been good. Matt Murray's played more sparingly lately, but he's he's done fared pretty well, all things considered, over the season. And they also have a couple guys cooking in the American Hockey League. So, you know, I would say look for the biggest impact move likely to be a forward, uh, but don't be surprised if we're talking about multiple trades by the time we get to 3 01 p.m. Eastern time in the city of Toronto on March 3rd. 
Oh, yeah, that'll surely get that entire market excited if multiple trades happen. And this might be the team to actually get over that hump of the first round and beyond. They look really good, in all honesty. Well, the, the funny thing is, is they might just do it anyway, right, without a trade. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of pressure on the front office to 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 do whatever they can to put them in the, the best position possible, right? Because when you define best position possible, there's a lot of things you could say. You say, okay, go get one of the big names. Well, a big name doesn't always get it done, right? Like, did we call the the Blake Coleman trade or Barkley Goodrow trade to Tampa big names at the time? If anything, Tampa took criticism, Julian Breesbaugh, for giving up first-round picks for both of those players. Everyone's like, what is this? But if you look back at it, they were both really cost-controlled at the time, and they also had two seasons with them. And it just so happens they went and won two cups with them. That That's that's the best-case scenario. But I'm just saying it, it might not end up being one of the, the names at the top of my, my big board that the Leafs go get, but maybe more targeted specific type trades for players with term. I think, I think that makes sense. Uh, but those, those are a little tougher deals to make too. Stay tuned for the big board. Uh, let's get to another buyer on your list. How about the New York Rangers? Intriguing team, right? Because, you know, they, they have two first round picks, as I mentioned in the, in the opening segment of the show. And, and that is significant because I think it makes them more likely to part with one, um, one of those picks. And, Let's face it, it's it's Broadway, it's showtime. I mean, all all year long, I think people have wondered, you know, if, and it still is an if, in my opinion, Patrick Kane waves his no movement clause and decides to leave Chicago. I mean, you know, reuniting him with Artemi Panarin, who he had a lot of success with early in Panarin's career when, when he signed in Chicago, you know, is is a pretty tempting proposition. Um, you know, Kane's season maybe hasn't gone as well as you'd like. And so, you know, we'll see what where, where the dynamic is at there. I certainly don't think the Rangers are locked in solely on him. I mean, there are a number of talented, you know, scoring wingers, you know, players that could maybe bring some more balance uh, to the Rangers forward group. I think one thing that stands out when I look at the Rangers is they haven't quite found their mix. I mean, they've had a decent season, I would say. Um, but, you know, it seems like Gerard Glantz continually moving around his lines that it, not just the bottom part of the lineup, you know, you're seeing that at the top and, and just feels like they're one forward short of where they want to be. And so, you know, they have the draft capital to to make a big trade happen, and I think they have a desire to do so. I mean, they went pretty big at last year's deadline, right, bringing in Andrew Kopp and a couple other players, and, and they got to the Eastern Conference Final. And so when you have a goalie as good as they do, when you have top-flight players on the blue line and in their forward group as they do, I think, you know, Chris Drury is another GM who's, you know, wanting to go out there and, and give his team, you know, a puncher's chance. Uh, you know, the Metropolitan Division is kind of interesting because New Jersey's been such a surprise. I think no one's surprised to see Carolina have such a strong year. But, you know, I, it's not, I'm not saying it's wide open, but there's, there's, it, it feels a little different than when you're looking at the Atlantic and you have Boston and Tampa there, right? It's, it's, that, that's, that feels like a more grueling road. Uh, there's no easy road in the playoffs, though. But I just think that, you know, while the Rangers maybe haven't hit their peak yet, this is a, big deadline for them to go out and make an impact uh, forward move. We move on from the Rangers to another Metro team, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. What about that? Well, unfortunately for them, of course, they're, they're still processing the news that Max Pacioretty done for the season after suffering another Achilles injury. I think that that, you know, can and, and will factor into, um, you know, what they're doing uh, in terms of, of their group. Um, you know, I, th- Carolina is just such a smart team, right? And, and you know, they don't make traditional type of trades. And I say that as a compliment because I think that they have a creative front office and 
you know, they just, they just rarely make what you would call a mistake from the outside. Um, you know, I think Timo Meyer, I know Pierre Lebrun linked them to Timo Meyer in a piece this week where he spoke to Don Waddell, the, the Hurricanes GM. I, I think that that makes some sense. You know, what remains to be seen about Meyer, and and I guess we'll blend the big board and, and this, because it's all linked together. You know, I yeah. have him, num- I have him number two on my big board behind Bo Horvat at number one. And, you know, what's interesting about Meyer's case in particular is he's, he's a restricted free agent. He's not a pure rental, but he, you'd have to extend him a qualifying offer of $10 million for next season to, to retain his rights for next year, which is, you know, a big, big chunk to swallow. I mean, we can argue if he's worth it or not. I don't think he's necessarily that far off that kind of player, but um, it remains to be seen if the Sharks will give teams that, that want to, that are serious about Meyer, the chance to talk to his agent, Claude Lemieux, to, to negotiate a, an extension as part of that deal. I think Carolina, if, if we're cooking this up, I could see them if that, if, and it's still an if, but if they get a chance to talk, if he's interested in signing there, if they can make a deal that makes sense, I think that that trade becomes very possible. Now, of course, there's other teams thinking the same thing about Timo Meyer because, you know, a lot of the other top fours, whether it's Patrick Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, Jonathan Taves, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, Sean Monahan, even. I mean, most of the, the Fords that we'll probably see moved or discussed as possible targets during this deadline are all rentals. So Meyer's a unique case, and so I, I look at him as as a possibility for Carolina. You know, another thing to mention too is I could see them making an ad on their blue line. I mean, most teams gearing up for a possible long playoff run feel like you can always leave, use one more defenseman because you usually need to play eight or nine. Uh, to play four rounds, you know, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think that they're going to be quite an active team, more active after the Pacioretty injury, uh, because, you know, they had viewed him as their deadline acquisition in a sense, because he was not coming back until this push portion of the season. But unfortunately he had, he had a setback and uh, now they've got to pivot. Yeah. Uh, sucks to hear from Max Pacioretty. Um, I mentioned some Eastern conference teams in the buyers. I got to mention at least one Western conference team, uh, let's go to Edmonton because that's always an intriguing situation when you have two of the best players in the world and you're trying to uh, maximize that window as best as you can. Two of the best players in the world and not a ton of cap space. And, you know, that doesn't make them alone, but they are particularly squeezed depending on what goes on um, with some of their injured players that are currently on LTI. Um, you know, they're, they're in the market for a left shot defenseman. I think that they are combing that market. I, I don't think that they've settled on one target per se. Uh, the Oilers actually are one of the teams they were in Vegas this week having pro scouting meetings. Um, so they're they're still kind of working through their process, but they, they feel that they have to shore up a little bit defensively. Uh, it's, it's you know, it's been, that's been, if they have a weakness, it's that weakness. I mean, look how many players um, they have that are scoring at better than a point per game. I mean, Zach Hyman's having the season of his career. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having a big year too. And then plus you've got McDavid and Drysaddle at the top of of the food chain on the the scoring list, and so, you know, I I do think that that you know they, they're focused largely on the blue line. I you know maybe a depth move in their forward group, and I also look for them potentially uh, to move Yessi Puliyarvi. I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but you know it just feels like one way or another Puliyarvi's time is is running short in Edmonton. Maybe maybe the move doesn't happen at this deadline. Uh, it might be a summer transaction, but. You know, if you look for ways that they might be able to create some flexibility cap wise to go out and do other things, I think, you know, getting rid of all or or most of Pooley Arvey's cap commitment, we one way they might do that. Let's go from the buyers to the sellers. Uh, I'll I'll try to 
kind of, I, I mentioned three Eastern conference teams and a Western conference team. I'll try to do like three Western conference teams and one Eastern conference team. I don't know if that'll bounce it out. Well, but uh, we have some very tricky too, games so that we're not here for six hours. Don't worry about that. I'd, I'd spend 12 hours. I'd spend 12 hours with you on this. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the, let's get to the Vancouver Canucks. Well, obviously a motivated seller, so to speak. I mean, we've been discussed their situation. So in depth with the coaching change and everything that's gone on, you know, figuring out what they do with Bo Horvat is, is first and foremost here. I mean, there's still a world where they try to resign him, I believe um, before the deadline, but you know, the, the writing's kind of on the wall uh, and Jim Rutherford's acknowledged that publicly that, that, you know, Bo Horvat's having such a big season, you know, on the precipice of setting a new uh, career best in goals already, even with, you know, 35 games to play or whatever's left in the, in the year. And so, you know, once they figure out how that, how that's going to go, I think that it will set the course for everything else. But, you know, Horvat's someone who, who certainly has interest from other teams. We've even heard, you know, some, some more off the board teams like Seattle, for example, uh, having some interest in Horvat. I could see Carolina uh, being a fit potentially for Horvat, depending what the price is. And again, is he maybe signing an extension there? Does, does his agent Pat Morris get that kind of permission as of yet? He doesn't have permission to speak to other teams, but you know, that could change in the weeks ahead, you know, beyond that, uh, Vancouver has Luke Shen, who I think will be, you know, he's, he's the perfect deadline acquisition, frankly. I mean, he's, he's still shouldering a pretty big load in the league at his age. Like just, you couldn't have a more top tier guy. He has a $850,000 cap hit, which means basically every team, even those with cap trouble could easily find room for him. And, and, you know, the acquisition costs won't be huge here, uh, even for all the positives in Luke Shen's um, you know, situation. I, I think that that will be a, a fairly easy deal for them to make. And I would expect one of the top contenders to go out and trade for Shen. You know, what's interesting is the, the Andre Kuzmenko story is kind of evolving. I, I think if Vancouver was of the mind to trade him, you know, he'd be a pretty intriguing piece. Remember this is a player that signed out of the KHL last summer. He had huge interest back then more than 20 teams were knocking at his door, at least, you know, wanting to know if they could get in on this. He's a pending unrestricted free agent because of his age. And he's almost a point per game player in his first NHL season, you know, really benefiting playing from Elias Pettersson, uh, you know, I think this year, but, but has offensive ability The the latest information at this time is that the Canucks are actually negotiating with his agent, Dan Milstein on extension. So, you know, assuming they get that across the finish line, he won't be someone they're selling, but you know, he could be someone that, that, that could change if, if they don't get to an extension. So I think the Canucks, you know, would, would love to trade some of their other players, but, They've been trying to do that for a year and, and, you know, a lot of them have big cap hits attached to them and it's just, just not feasible, but they, they have some pretty big pieces to move, especially if Horvat hits the market. Let's try uh Chicago. Well, they're selling everything that isn't nailed down, right? I mean, this yeah. is, this has been the plan. If you, if you look at what Kyle Davidson, their GM has already amassed in terms of draft pick capital for this year, he's sitting pretty, pretty good. You know, this is a huge, huge draft for, Chicago and, and their scouts. I mean, obviously they're, they're hoping to win the number overall pick and, and get Connor Bedard, but even if they don't, you know, they have a number of uh, a number of lottery tickets here that they're, they're hoping to cash in on uh, you know, Taves and Kane are the most important questions. Those players have full control over the situation with no movement clauses. Uh, don't believe they've made any decisions at this time. So, so that's still kind of a fluid thing. What happens there? You know, but they have a number of other players. I mean, they have Max Domi, who's on an affordable contract, actually having pretty nice season. You know, he, he carries a $3 million cap hit. That's cheaper than a lot of the other forwards we're talking about. So with with the cap squeeze on, I, I could see him being moved. Andreas Athanasiu's in, in a similar spot with them. 
a forward that's been around the league a long time. You know, I should mention um, Sam Lafferty as another example. He's he's a player that, again, if, if a team traded for him and you saw the headline, and if you're not following the entire league closely, you might say who, but I think that he's garnered a fair amount of interest just because he's on a very uh, controlled contract and, and, you know, can provide, you know, some good bottom six minutes and bring some flexibility to some contenders who are looking for very, very specific ads. And then Jake McCabe is probably the biggest name among their defensemen. Uh, you know, they also have Jack Johnson and Jared Tenorti on expiring deals, but Jake McCabe is not on an expiring deal. Uh, still has some, some tenure on his contract. And he's been, I, I think one of the bright spots of their team. If you look at what happens when he's on the ice is the Blackhawks actually hold their own when he's not on the ice, they are, they are getting pounded. And so, mm. you know, it's, it's probably more nuanced than that, but, but clearly good things are happening on a bad team when Jake McCabe is out there. And I think, because there's some control there with, with an additional year and his contract isn't too onerous, you know, some of the contenders are sniffed around him. He does have a 17, no trade clause. So uh, I know Frank Cervalli reported this week that the Leafs were interested. You know, I think Edmonton has had some interest uh, in him. I'm sure others as well, but you know, he does have a certain amount of control because of that no trade clause. You really weren't kidding when you said you were emptying your brain. Well, if you write 5,000 words on this stuff in, in, a, in about a two day window, it's all fresh. Put it that way. Uh, St. Louis. Uh, I should mention, I'm going to plug uh, Jeremy Rutherford, uh, my colleague uh, in St. Louis, who had an exclusive with uh, Ryan O'Reilly uh, earlier this week for The Athletic. I want to be here is uh, the big quote that's being pulled for the headline. Uh, that's not a guarantee uh, with his future with the St. Louis Blues. Far from a guarantee. And, you know, I, the Blues have eight unrestricted free agents, uh, pending unrestricted free agents. And so, they have a they have a lot to sell. I think what has to happen is does Doug Armstrong truly commit to the sell? And I don't think the for sale sign is up just yet on the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, but I, I'm not sure we're too far away from it. I mean, certainly gauging the feeling around the league from other executives and teams that are sizing up this market, you know, they expect that ultimately the Blues will be a team that are, you know, moving out players. And so that that could mean Ryan O'Reilly. I think it probably will be Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you know, I'm not sure there's a contract fit for him long-term there. And so, you know, he's, he's number three on my big board. So, you know, because I am anticipating he, he will be traded ultimately, even if that the process of that trade is only just beginning, uh, you know, Darren Dreger reported Tuesday on TSN that, that officially he's on the market, you know, teams are starting to be told that, but you know, there's still a, a, a fair bit of runway here to, to, to sort out what that all means. You know, but it's it's a big acquisition. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, let's call it as it is. He he's not had a season up to his standards. He was point production wise, his worst uh season in his career since he was a rookie, suffered a broken foot earlier in the month. So he's he's sidelined right now. But I think ultimately when you have a recent con Smythe winner and a player with such a long track record of two hundred foot uh brilliance, frankly. I mean, one of the the better all-around centers in the game for a long time, you know, contending teams are gonna want that. Uh, even even if it's been a tough year. And so he's he's probably the biggest piece to sell. But, you know, don't sleep on Vladimir Tarasenko, who's done nothing but put the puck in the net uh, since entering the league. And then you go down the list. They got guys like Ivan Barbashev, uh, Mikola, the defenseman. You know, even even players like Noel Achari, who would, you know, be a, a depth addition for a team. I think if St. Louis leans into a sell, they, they have a lot of pieces to sell and, and could start their reboot here because obviously they have some young players the Kairos and like that they've signed long-term. I think that they might be turning over a little bit from that 2019 cup winner 
to to the next gen. Uh, and this this deadline will will be a big chance to do that. Let's do Montreal, and then we'll go quickly through uh, on the fence. We won't go through that category too long since there aren't as many teams, but let's do Montreal first. Well, Montreal, I can do it pretty quickly. I mean, they, they started this process last year with Ken Hughes, right? I mean, they, 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 they shipped a few players out. There's two big names, I think, that are in play in Montreal. Sean Monaghan is still a big name, and he, and he had a really strong start to the season for the Canadians. Unfortunately, he suffered uh, another lower body injury early in December, the good news is he's he's returned to practice this week. I think we'll see him, you know, provided no setbacks, knock on wood, uh, we'll see him start playing games soon. And so teams will get a chance to see where he's at, engage, you know, what effects that that, that injury setback might have had on him. But, you know, assuming he gets back to the level he was at earlier in the year, I think he's, again, a, a prime player a contender is looking for. I mean, teams that think they can win the Cup, they already have their first-line center, right? I mean, those th- those teams have the top part of their roster for the most part set. Um, bringing in Sean Monahan potentially to play as your third line center, or maybe you move him to the wing or someone else on your team. I mean, move the pieces around. That makes a whole lot of sense. And I think Montreal uh, certainly will be looking to move him in the lead up to March 3rd. The other one is, is Joel Edmondson. And, and, you know, he's, he's intriguing to me because he's not a rental player, uh, very sturdy defenseman, played a lot of playoff games and to borrow the old Mike Babcock phrase that he knows where to stand. Like, I think he, he's, he, he brings a lot of certainty in what he is. And the fact that he has some term attached to him, I know teams have been interested. You know, the Canadians' position is they don't have to sell him. I think that they're perfectly fine to keep him for the duration of the year and maybe look at doing something like that again next year at the deadline. But if someone meets their price, which I think is possible, he's the other main player to move. I mean, they have some other pending unrestricted free agents, guys like Jonathan Drouin or Evgeny Dadnov. I just don't know if the market's going to be there for those players. I mean, we'll see We'll see what happens, but I, I think – I'd focus more on Monahan and Edmondson in terms of the Canadians' priorities right now. Okay, let's get to on the fence. And there are two teams that intrigue me the most out of the list you've put together. I want to start with the Buffalo Sabres, who we we kind of mentioned off the top first. Let's start with those guys. Well, the Sabres have been red hot, right? And and so if we're if we're going to be a prisoner of the moment, which there's nothing wrong with being, you go to the you know NHL.com and look at the standings. I mean, they are right in the playoff race. I believe they're three points back of. The, the second wildcard position in the Eastern Conference, and they have games in hand. And so, you know, definitely good on the Sabres, I, I like that they've they've had a bounce back from, you know, digging a hole early in the season. I, I think there's all kinds of things to like about what's happening in Buffalo. Um, I'm, I'm certainly, their, their organization is trending in the direction you want. I'm just not sure that as we drop a list like this on January 26th, that we can say that Kevin Adams should be, you know, giving out futures to, to, for a player that's a rental for someone to help just now in the moment. I mean, yes, if they go trade for Timu Meyer and find a way to keep him, you know, th- next season and beyond. Okay. That's that trade makes sense. That would make sense for any team uh, that, that thinks that they have a window to, to improve in the next couple of seasons. Um, but I, I don't know that we should be putting them in, in the buyers list because some of the buyers are going to waste futures to, to be good for the next six weeks or, you know, 10 weeks, depending on how long their playoffs go. And and I'm not ready yet to commit and say the Sabres are in that that spot. Now, the beauty is there, there's got a bunch of games to be played between now and March 3rd. And if they keep winning, if they keep showing a lot, though, they will put pressure naturally, the good kind of pressure on their general manager, Kevin Adams, to go out and, and, and augment that group. You know, if they make a trade, you know, I could certainly see it being something to help it forward. I, I think you know, maybe even looking goal, they've, they've kind of patched it together. I know they've got three a three-headed goalie monster as it is, but maybe there's an upgrade there. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I just think it's a little too soon to, to, to say that they are 100% uh, 
uh, in the buying category at this stage. And then uh, the Calgary Flames are the other team I'm very intrigued about, obviously. In your backyard. Well, you would know this, you know, from your own reporting time around the team. I, I think that, you know, they, they made the big swings in the summer. No secret about that. No secret as well. They've been looking for another forward that can help them with some scoring punch all year long. And, and you know, haven't been able to make that kind of deal. You know, basically, we haven't seen barely any trades all year long. Um, but I think that there's a question still for the front office. Is it worth sort of doubling down on this group in this season? Is it worth giving up draft picks or prospects or whatever it might take to bring in players to help in the short term? Or, or um, is it maybe best to just kind of punt for lack of a better word on, on, on the year? And I have them in the on the fence category because I think ultimately I'm leaning towards them still being a buyer, but you know, they're right in the thick of the playoff race. Uh, they've, they've, could even fall out of it by March 3rd. Maybe they win six in a row and they're, they're more comfortably in. I think that, you know, Brad tree living and his staff are, are open to letting the players kind of dictate this or the performance of the team uh, dictate, you know, how aggressively they go and in which direction they go. I mean, I don't reasonably see them becoming a big seller either way, but I think the question is to what degree do they want to buy um, come March 3rd? And, and, you know, we're going to have to see, see where they're at in a few weeks time before, you know, having a clear view into that. I should mention two really quick teams too, Julian, from the on the fence that that some fans might wonder about Seattle Kraken and New Jersey Devils. I can actually lump them together because mm -hmm. they're two teams that are both outperforming most expectations, right? And and they've had fantastic years. I mean, Kraken have hung around the top of the Pacific Division. The Devils have been at or or right near the top in the Metro all season long. Both teams, I think, have to consider everything because you're having this kind of year, and it and it just makes sense. I mean. Make the phone calls if you're Ron Francis. Make the phone calls if you're Tom Fitzgerald. See what might be out there. But I, I just don't see either as being pressured where they have to go make a big splash. Because, you know, in the case of the Devils, they have two centermen in Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes that are cost-controlled for a long period of time. Both are great players. I think that the Devils have the frame of something special. And, you know, you just got to be careful about how, how impulsive you got to be in the moment, right? And so... Um, you know, I think that they and the Kraken are in the same way. I mean, the, the Kraken, this has been a probably the deepest forward group maybe in the league. They don't have a superstar per se, but if you look at their line by line by line, they're getting production right through their lineup. Uh, the Devils have been too, actually, for that matter. So there's going to be an impulse, I think, for both to to make a move. But I put them as on the fence because if they don't, I, I don't know if they don't make a big move, especially, I, I don't think it's a, a have to put all the chips on the table type of season in either scenario. All right. Uh, I should also mention with Calgary, uh, I, I think uh, if they find themselves in a position where they're buying and they have enough cap space to do it, uh, don't be surprised if they go for a defenseman as well. Uh, I get that sentiment from them, too, and also had a conversation with Brad for living about that uh, the other day. And uh, hopefully by next week, you'll be able to read everything like I got him to say in a q and I'll be publishing uh, in The Athletic. So uh, that's what we call a tease. CJ. I like that. I like that. Well, you gotta, you gotta pump your own tires too. We, we like shouting out all the other writers doing good work around the league, but you can pat yourself on the back too, my friend. Hey man, look, we, we work too hard in this game to not pat ourselves on the back sometimes. Anyway, uh, the top five, let's go through a top five list of uh, some of the names you have on the big board. And uh, if you've been paying attention, we've kind of gone through some of those names already. Um, we don't necessarily need to go through every single player in detail like we've done before. Like, I mean, Timo Meyer, we've kind of spoken about already. Right. So uh, what is the order? Was it Horvat at one? Yes. Bo Horvat Meyer at one, at Timo two. Meyer at two. Uh, number three is Ryan O'Reilly. Number four is Jacob Chikrin. And number five is Patrick Kane. Jacob Chikrin is probably the name we 
mentioned the least. And even Horvat, we could touch on a little bit more if you want. But uh, those are two of the names that stand out as t- names we didn't discuss nearly as much as Kane, O'Reilly, and Meyer. Well, put it this way. I, I believe that that big board dropped maybe 10 days ago. And I'm doing a new one for next week. So here's the tease. If I was dropping a new big board right now, I'd have Chikrin not in the top five. I, I You know, I think... Mm. You know, it's not to say he won't be traded. It's just it. This just goes on and on and on, and and no one's meeting that price. Um, he's having such a great year. Like I think he's held up his end of the bargain. I can understand completely. This is not a criticism of Bill Armstrong. He's looking at it like I got a player who's playing great. He's twenty four years old. You know, plays a premium position. Uh, is very cost controlled in terms of his contract. You got to pay a premium if you want that. And and no one has stepped up to do it. So I I would probably today drop him a little bit lower. Um. Yeah, I think we've we've really hit on on everyone there, and and let's face it, maybe when I drop the new board at North Star Bets, we can uh, we can get a little more deep into into these guys. Absolutely, but uh, in the meantime, check NorthStarBets.ca uh, to check out all of CJ's content. You'll find the buyers list, sellers list on the fence drops tomorrow on Friday, and uh, again, we will have some kind of up. He'll have some kind of update on the big board uh, coming in the next few days. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. When the puck drops, Sports Interaction has you covered pre-game, live betting on all major sports, and on prop bets. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 and over. Please play responsibly. Woo! It's a lot of trade content. You I know. Good? My brain. My brain's like this short-circuiting. It's like... <clears throat> do, do, you, do you have enough juice uh, for a stick tap before we leave? I do. I do. It's a pretty easy one for me, actually. Okay, go out. Go off. You go first. My stick tap this week is for Chris Letang, uh, who had a big game, if you missed it, on Tuesday in his return to the Penguins lineup. He had a minor injury, but he also suffered the loss to his father, Claude. Um, you know, during this period, he talked after that game about how emotional it was for him. He had a four-point night, scored the overtime winner against Florida. And I can only imagine how difficult for that is. Anyone who has lost a parent, uh, you know, for him to to get back to work. I'm sure in a way it's, it's good to get in a routine and, and the solace of it, but to keep his mind where it had to be, um, you know, must've been a difficult situation. It just so happens Tuesday was the the anniversary of my, my own mother's death, Linda. And so maybe just was on my mind a bit this week, but was, was watching that game at home and was thinking what a cool moment for him. And, you know, really a chance to stick tap the penguins. I, I don't know if you missed it, Julian, but two weeks ago when, when Latang's father, they had the wake for him, the penguins actually flew from Arizona to Montreal uh, to to be there for the wake and and you know put themselves not in the best position to compete for the games afterwards maybe but did the right thing for a longtime teammate and and brother yeah and i think actions like that resonate for a long time um i'm good with with sharing that stick tap i still think the the fact that chris is able to play after uh identifying early signs of a stroke at some point this year is is nothing short of incredible to me like the fact that he's he's not only just playing but playing at a high level uh, so he deserves a lot of credit for being able to put himself in a position where he could still play. It's it's really incredible to see on his part. So I, I'm I'm gonna gonna also hop on that too, and we'll make it a joint stick tap from uh, both myself and Siege. Uh, congratulations to 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 Chris, and, and and I know it's been a tough time for him, but uh, you know it's good that his teammates are around him, and parts of the NHL world are around him as well. You're here, bud. You're here. Uh, and with that, we will go uh, to the end of this show. Uh, Monday, we will have a brand new episode. Get your questions in for Ask CJ, uh, whether on Discord, whether on Twitter, 
um, carrier pigeon is not accessible yet uh, as a form of sending in questions uh, for Siege. And uh, next week we'll Noster. have two. Noster? How do you say that? What's Noster? I don't know. It's like the new Twitter or something. I've never heard. I th- I thought Mastodon was the new Twitter. That seemed to only last for about two minutes, but I don't, I don't, I'm not totally up on this. I just see it mentioned a lot in my Twitter feed. So well, you're teaching me something. I have no idea what it is. N O S T R. I went to look at it and it looked a little too advanced for me at this point in time. Apparently it's like being built out in real time. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, I guess we can't take right. questions. There is really what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. We're still figuring out all the other kinks and stuff to figure out other ways to get questions. But in the meantime, uh, get them in on Twitter, get them in on Discord. We'll try to answer as many as we can on Monday's show. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long. Uh, Happy Lunar New Year to everyone who celebrates and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.